I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. I am super excited to introduce you to one of my best friends this week, Emily Morello. She and I connected through HA Recovery, actually, so we have that in common, and we are going to be talking about her HA Recovery journey today and also the emotional and life stressors that led her to having no period. So I just want to put out a trigger warning for anyone that is easily triggered from hearing stories about calorie restriction, dieting, losing weight, and all of those related topics. Just a heads up, Emily and I definitely do get into her story in great detail, so I just wanted to provide you with a trigger warning. I love this conversation with her, but again, if those topics are sensitive to you, this might not be the episode for you right now, and you can come back to it at a later date if you feel like you're up for it um, in the future. So we talk about her past with struggling with life stressors and a big thing for Emily and something that she helps her clients with today is overcoming perfectionism related to body food choices, exercise, etc. So we've talked a lot about the Enneagram on this podcast throughout the past 136 episodes. There's been quite a few conversations about the Enneagram. And Emily Morello is an Enneagram type 1. So she tends to be quite a perfectionist. And it was just really interesting hearing about how she recovered from hypothalamic amenorrhea while being a perfectionist and how she kind of put her perfectionist qualities aside. So I think you're really going to love this episode. I know you are going to love Emily Morello. She is actually one of the Nourished and Free coaches inside the Nourished and Free Collective. So if you're a member of the Nourished and Free Collective, you're probably already familiar with Emily Morello. She's amazing. And if you're not yet part of the Nourished and Free Collective, you can definitely check that out. Something else that I do want to just remind you about is my small group coaching program, Back Home to You. Every single week on the podcast, it seems like 
our conversations revolve around HA recovery or body image, eating disorder recovery, healing your relationship with food. I think these topics are so important and they're just something that I naturally talk about with my guests because so many women struggle with food, body, exercise, eating disorders, all of these things. There are so many external pressures that are put on us as women and we start to control our food and our bodies. And this is something that I'm super passionate about helping women with. So I created a 12-week small group coaching program called Back Home to You. And inside Back Home to You, I guide my clients through my self-love framework. So for 12 weeks, you are being guided along the path of learning exactly how to heal with your own loving and learn how to truly love yourself. So if you find yourself in HA recovery or eating disorder recovery, or maybe you don't even identify with an eating disorder anymore, but you feel like you're kind of stuck in that limbo between eating disorder and full recovery. I want to help you inside back home to you. So for more information, you can go to megdoll.com slash back home to you. I can link it up in the show notes for you as well. And you can just read more about this small group coaching program there. Like I said, it's 12 weeks. So we have an incredible three months of coaching time together, weekly calls, and you get access to the entire program in our online teaching platform. So go to megdoll.com slash back home to you. And you can read more about what my clients are saying, but also you can schedule your discovery call through that link as well. I love setting up discovery calls with women just to make sure this program is the perfect fit for you. So that's all from me this week, my loves. We'll chat again next week. And as always, if you're listening to the show, take a screenshot or take a picture of your surroundings. Maybe you're listening to this on a walk, wherever you are, take a screenshot or a picture of something around you and post it to Instagram and tag me. I am Meg Dahl. All right, my loves, I'll see you next week. Hey, Emily, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on with me finally this week. No, thank you so much for having me here. I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. And I mean, we talk all the time, so it's always nice to chat, but especially when we get longer periods of time like this. I know. So I gave everyone a heads up that you and I are friends and we connected through HA actually. And yeah, so they kind of know a little bit about you, but why don't you introduce yourself to everyone? Sure. So my name's Emily Morello. I currently live in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I am a holistic health coach 
who really focuses on holistic well-being, um, being authentic to you. That's like my big message and making sure you have your passions when it comes to your lifestyle, when it comes to your health journey. And I also am an engineer. So I like to kind of throw that in there as well because it's it's just kind of like a how I even got here um, was from engineering, really that journey of being stressed out in school and focusing more on my health is how I wanted to also become a health coach. And yeah, so outside of that, I just love outdoors. I love your podcast. I love learning about various people in the health and wellness space, which is kind of how we connected. Yeah, and you help so many women as a health coach, and I love what you do. So your brand is actually called Honest Living, and I really love that. And I would love if you shared with everyone a little bit more about what that means, because you talk a lot about like honest health, and Mm -hmm. I would love for you to share what exactly that means. Yeah. So basically, if we go all the way back to when this started, I said I was an, I am an engineer, but even before I started school, I remember right before college, I gained some weight just from natural, you know, women going through hormones. And I kind of started my period late later because I was always so teeny um, growing up. So obviously, if you start your period a little bit later, then your body will develop a little bit later, too. And I was so scared by that weight gain. I was like, oh my God, what is this? And I also, in my first time in my life, wasn't playing a bunch of sports. So I was sitting more at my coffee shop job. And anytime someone had, if I made a delicious drink and there was some leftovers, I was like, oh, I'm gonna drink this and eat this. So just naturally with all those factors, I was going to gain weight and I freaked out. Um, I was super scared and something that was constantly talked about growing up was I was a little one. I was a small one and especially over the past few years when I was deep in athletics in high school, I was also the more athletic and always doing things that were sporty type things. So when I gained weight, I was like, this is not me. I want to go back to how I was. And I started counting calories for the first time. Well, I counted calories before. I remember like my friends were doing it and I was like, what the heck? Like 1500 calories. And I tried eating that and I was like starving by lunch. So this was the first time I actually committed um, and it worked. I lost like 15 pounds in a couple months and I did not need to lose one of those pounds. And it started this downward spiral of obsessing over every single thing that went in my mouth, obsessing over working out a lot because the book that kind of guided me on this journey was it's called Thinner, Leaner, Stronger, which I think the guy who wrote it had really good intentions, but just not the right delivery for women um, or, you know, how to <laughs> have something sustainable. So I followed it to a T because I'm a perfectionist and like to do things the right way. And I'm an Enneagram one. So I wanted to follow the rules and I worked out. I lifted five days a week, did cardio three to four days a week and was eating like 1200 calories for a long time. And that's when I started noticing there's so many people out there that follow this lifestyle and they kind of put on this persona that they're just living a normal life that they are super healthy, they have no mental health problems, they have no physical issues, and just because they're small or they're lean, they're healthy. 
And I didn't like that. I just really didn't like that because in my journey, I felt like crap, like literal shit, garbage all the time. I felt sick. I got sick all the time. I lost my period for five years and it, my hair was falling out. So when I was on my road to recovery, I tried finding people. It actually, I had to try, which is a sad thing. I had to try to find people that had that authentic message, which I know that word gets kind of thrown around, but people that felt authentic to me and they felt like I could relate to, and I didn't feel like, I didn't feel anxiety when I watched their content, but people like you, seriously, like I found your podcast because I typed in, um, hypoflamic amenorrhea on, um, on Apple podcasts or whatever. And I found you and a few other people. And I was like, these girls, these women are authentic. They have that true message and I want to promote this. So I started a blog back in 2018 called honest living. And it was really just about things I was going through. It was about my journey with HA. It was about body image. It was about being a perfectionist morning routines and trying to not be a perfectionist about it, just all this random stuff. And then it transformed into a podcast because I did have a lot of people asking questions and saying, oh my God, I can relate to it. This, can you speak more about it? And sometimes you just can't get that delivery in writing. You need to speak, which I love. And I love having the podcasts. And then this past June, I decided to make an actual company and help women with what they were asking me to help them with. So that is really, most of the people that come to me are perfectionists, which is just kind of funny. It's just how it's been. People trying to get their periods back and just trying to ditch this all or nothing mindset when it comes to health and wellness, become intuitive, but intentional um, and really not have rules. So that is honest living. And you really were a big part of the meaning behind it because if I didn't hear your podcast, I wouldn't have felt like there was hope for getting my period back. Oh, Emily, you're so sweet, honestly. But I love what you said. And truthfully, we haven't talked a lot about being a perfectionist on this yeah. podcast before. So I think this is kind of like your time to shine, girl. And awesome. everyone listening to this right now, we all love a good like HA recovery story, but we haven't heard it through the lens of a perfectionist before. Before. So what was it like for you being a Enneagram type one? And if no one's really familiar with an Enneagram type one, you could even like share a little bit more about yeah. what that is to you, because I know just like me, you also love the Enneagram and learning more about your type. But like, what was it like moving through HA recovery as a perfectionist? How, how was that? <laughs> So it's kind of crazy because you, as an Enneagram type one, you want to do things right. And as a perfectionist, you want to do it not just right, but perfect. And you want to do all these. I'm also a manifesting general generator for those of you who know anything about human design. So I like doing a lot of things at once. So for me, that looked like, okay, when I go to school, I want to feel great, look great, be the best student, be the most pop, not the most popular, but be social, have you know a great job and do all these things. And the sad thing is, which to the outside wouldn't look sad, I did all those things. I did all those things. 
I lost the weight I wanted to. I, you know, was that quote unquote, super lean, like had abs, was working out a lot, had really good grades, gotten a sorority, all these things, but I was miserable. So I was trying to please everyone and I was trying to do things so perfectly. Like literally when I joined the sorority, people were like, oh my God, Emily's going to be the sorority president. And it's funny because three years later, I dropped out of the sorority. But in that moment, I was like, yeah, maybe I will. I don't know. But I didn't even know if I liked it. It was just like, oh, I'm in the sorority. I'm going to be the best in the sorority or I'm going to be the best you know, new member as I can. I'm going to be one of the best engineering students. And having all of that pressure and all of that stress alone could have made me lose my period. And on top of that, restricting food, like going to school, going to college. If you, any of you out there are going to college or just graduated, you know that it is stressful. It is a huge transition in your life. And having this like diet I had to follow and this workout regimen was way too much. Like I literally got my schedule for school and for my engineering classes, they, they had some classes that they only offered like one time out of the day or whatever. So I had to do them at certain times, but every year starting freshman year, first semester, as soon as I got my schedule, I made an Excel sheet with that on my Excel file and added where I was going to work out. And I did that every week, unless I was like legit sick or I had to get homework help. What, it was rare because I already had homework help in my calendar, you know, and I was following it. And I got so, like, I was so ill. I remember going to the clinic um, at school after being in school for like a month. And I just kept feeling sick. I was had short, shortness of breath. And they were like, oh, you're fine. And they, they're like, you, you know, you're just allergies and whatever. And they'd stick me on an antibiotic if I had a sinus infection. And this kept going on and on and on. And I remember I was my lowest weight, like under a hundred pounds. And this was like November, right by around Thanksgiving. And my hair was falling out in clumps. And I've only been in college for a couple months just because I had all this pressure to hit all of those markers and be the best person. And I hated where I went to school because of this, because I was like, I had no enjoyment. And my mom saw me and she was like, oh my God, you need to gain weight and get healthy or you're coming home. And even though I didn't like, you know, I wasn't in love with my school because I had all these external stressors. The last thing I wanted to do was to fail because I'm a perfectionist and coming home would seem like failing. Mm -hmm. So I forced myself to add in some more calories and it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like I was going to be intuitive eating. No, I was still calorie counting and I gained a little bit of weight by Christmas. So they trusted me a little bit. And this went on for years and years and years. So I really was so in control of everything I ate until I remember I ran a half marathon um, junior year of college. And that's the first time where I wasn't. So I was. I stopped counting calories a little bit before that. And I was like a quote unquote healthy weight with like a lower BMI, still no period. And then I um, had to make sure I was eating enough to actually fuel my runs. And that's when I had a kind of a little bit of a mental shift. I was like, oh, I need to eat to perform better. Oh, that's great. And I, I'm a perfectionist. So I need to get my run under a certain amount of time. Like I have to make sure I'm like, 
you know, under two hours, even though I've never run a half marathon and, you know, junior year is the hardest for engineering. So I still need to fit this in. And I ended up meeting my markers because that's just what, you know, perfectionists do when they have their mind to something, but it caused so much, so many more problems on my health. And that's when I started realizing that I needed to make a change and I didn't know how. Um, so I got off birth control going into senior year of college and started kind of making changes, um, but didn't get my period back for like a year after. But that's kind of how it went down um, in this journey. And I don't know if I really, I kind of just went on a rant. So I'm not sure if I answered the question exactly or kind of explained it the way. Yeah, yeah, no, that was perfect. And I think it kind of gave us a better idea of how it all kind of played out. Yeah. And, you know, your more specifically your journey with HA. But what about that last year of actually working towards getting your period back? Because I know for me, I am, I wouldn't say I'm like a perfectionist. I'm definitely not Mm -hmm. a perfectionist, but I have been like exceptionally like obsessive and neurotic around food, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Not to the point of like doing spreadsheets, but if I have like tracked calories in the past, you know, I have done it in a way that's like very like it has to be exact but I was then able to find this way of doing it that I didn't feel so like I have to be so exact around it but again that's coming from someone who's not exactly a type one perfectionist right so how were you able to me like recover and get your period back and kind of transform your late relationship with food and exercise as a perfectionist so it started when I decided I like I said that you know half marathon I was like oh I'm feeling myself but I still didn't just feel good at all and I remember I went to Greece for a month after junior year. And it was like the best month of my life. I shouldn't say the best month of my life, but because I got engaged, I got a puppy this month. I'm like, I don't know, this is a pretty good month. Um, One of the best months of my life. And I barely worked out and I had, I had total food freedom. I didn't, I don't think I tracked one thing that whole month. And it was probably the longest ever because even when I wasn't tracking things, I was like, adding things up in a calculator because I knew I'm a math person. I'm really good at math and I'm really good at assigning things to numbers because that's my nature. Like I'm, that's why I went to engineering. So I'd like, I could literally like do my fitness pal just in my calculator pretty much in like a minute and figure it out. So I didn't have that at all. I just went, I enjoyed my time. I worked out a little bit. Like I went on some runs in the morning along the water, but totally like casual. I did yoga like one or two days, like in the hotel room on like a towel, just something fun. And I came back and I had really bad digestive issues then. Um, I noticed starting that year, So certain things I ate and definitely drinking alcohol didn't sit well with me, but in general, I was happy. Like I felt really good besides having some digestive issues, but I'm sure everyone knows this when you're under eating for so long, that's what happens, which is the sad thing. 
And that's when I first really started noticing the digestive issues. But I came back, my skin was the clearest it's ever been. I felt amazing. Of course, I was still on birth control then. Um, so I still didn't have my period, but I didn't know if it was PCOS or if it was HA. I don't even think I knew what PCOS was at this point, but I at least knew what HA was. Um, but during that whole five-year journey, and I should bring this up, my gynecologist told me it was fine not to have a period because a lot of women don't have periods on the birth control I was on and not to worry about it. And every time I called to ask like if I was okay, cause I got stressed and being a perfectionist, I was like, oh my God, a period is a metric of health and I don't have one. He was like, oh no, like, you know, don't you feel good, you know, being on the pill? Would you really want to go back to having super heavy bleeds? I'm like, you're right, you're right. So that was kind of going on. And then after I came back from Greece, I started training for my second half marathon because I loved it and it was totally freeing and I had such bad physical issues. Um, I always like, I've been a runner since middle school and this time it was one of those that I had IT band syndrome and it was this throbbing, aching, stabbing pain on my, along my, um, it's literally from like your hip all the way down to your knee. And I was limping all summer. So that was going on and I had totally transformed my exercise to just like lifting, no running, no half marathon. Um, and I really didn't count any calories after that because I was so used to it from Europe and I felt really good mentally. And my goal going into senior year was I'm done with the sorority, not that sororities are bad, but I just never felt like I fit in. And I felt like I was trying to conform into this box that I realized I wasn't in. I wanted to enjoy senior year and I wanted to find who I was. So that was my whole intention into going into senior year. And one of those big things was getting off birth control because I was like, you know what? These thoughts come up every year to get off. I keep getting convinced not to, and I'm sick of it. I'm standing up for myself. I stand up for myself in all other areas of my life. Why can't I when it comes to my health? Mm -hmm. So I called my gynecologist and I was like, you know what? I'm getting off birth control. You're not convincing me. I said it just like this because that's just the type of person I am. I was like, you know, <laughs> fuming because I was just so upset over so many years. I was like, you're not telling me I'm not getting off, but how is the safest way to do it? And they're like, all right, we'll finish your pack. And then you can, you know, go from there. You'll probably get your period in three months. If you don't give us a call, I'm like, all right, whatever. But at the back of my mind, I knew I wasn't going to get my period. Like I was like, there's no way I'm going to get my period. I'm still, I'm not underweight, but I was still pretty lean at that moment. I've always, you know, I was lean since the day I lost that. I was lean my entire life, but my definition of lean, you know, was messed up from society. Yeah. And I, I was like, I just knew I wasn't going to get it. So I, and now I'm thinking of a manifesting generator that just knowing and thinking you're not going to get it, you're not going to get it. I could have just prevented myself from getting it. Um, but anyways, I started watching obsessively YouTube about getting your period back. Yeah. And I found someone named Sarah Stay. She's a big YouTuber. Yeah. And she talked about her journey and she had PCOS and healed it with paleo. So I'm like, oh my God, paleo, PCOS. That's me. That's what I have. Even though it had only been a month of getting off birth control and I didn't have a period. So I started doing paleo before the three months even came. And I did not exercise as intensely because I was physically injured very badly from that issue in the beginning of summer with running and it kind of still was going on. But that is kind of how senior year kept 
playing out. I tried paleo for a little bit. I then heard of keto and I tried keto for like maybe a week, but I heard of intermittent fasting. I tried that. So basically when I was counting calories, it was all about macros, protein, carbs, fat, and doing lower fat and higher protein. But senior year, it was all about less processed food. It was all about eating whole foods and eating this clean way, quote unquote. And I had never understood that. So that honestly made my digestive issues even worse because I was so used to eating bread and cereal and oatmeal on top of veggies and whatever, but just having that as a base and my digestive system got wrecked. Like I could barely eat anything. My stomach always hurt. I looked like I was pregnant all the time, hurt so bad. So three months happened and it was it was, uh, whatever it was, December, January. And I called the gynecologist and they were like, you know what? Or I was like, I didn't get my period. They're like, all right, we'll come in we'll do blood work and we'll see what's going on. So I, or I did a, um, Provera challenge and I failed. So then they did blood work and, or whatever, either way I did those two kind of at the same time. And I, my blood work was totally fine. Every single thing was normal, like literally everything. So I was like, okay, interesting. And then I did another Provera challenge and failed, but I started, I got my job offer. So I started to relax more like mentally when it came to what I was going to do after college. And I started to eat more and I started to exercise less. And then I had a tragedy ending senior year. And when my friends passed away, so it had all this more stress, but I remember like the day before two days before he passed away, I like remember a teeny drop of like pinkish on my underwear. It wasn't blood, but it was like the first sign of anything. And I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna have my period. And I didn't eat beets or anything. So it was like something and it happened like throughout that day. It was kind of like spotting, but then I hadn't had that after. So it was like my hope. And then I was like, oh my God, nope, I'm back in this cycle. And because I was mourning my friends, I reverted to super, super heavy, like intermittent fasting, keto, doing CrossFit at 5 a.m. when I started my job. And that happened from really like February. Like, you know, I had like a couple months of complete grieving, doing nothing physical. So let's say April to like November. And by the grace of God, I started dating my fiance. Now we liked each other for years and he kind of pulled me out of that spiral because he was like, you know what? I think, I think you do need to just take a step back. And I really, it's almost like I had to, I kept explaining to him about, you know, HA and I almost needed his Mm -hmm. approval to move forward with the full recovery, but it wasn't until I had all these things happen and I had his approval which is so weird to say, but I like needed an external approval other than my mom. And my friends were, my friends were not, (laughs) they were all on birth control and healthy and didn't really know what was going on. Like they did, but they didn't know how serious it was. So they weren't trying to help me to change. So I just needed a push from a friend and being a perfectionist, like you, you almost need that approval and you need someone telling you it's okay. Um, So that was really helpful. And also just learning. I finally opened up to, I was living alone from, well, I had a roommate, but she always traveled in Missouri in a state that I knew no one for work from June to November. 
So that was literally like the most explorative time of my life to get to know myself. And I was like, I'm done not having a period and being unhealthy and all this stuff. So I did the inner work. I was super resistant, but by the time January came, I was very injured again by cross from CrossFit. (laughs) So I had physical issues, injuries that I really could not work out at all. And I had listened to your podcast for a long time. I had listened to well-fed women. I had listened to Laura Schoenfeld on various podcasts. And I ended up enrolling in Laura Schoenfeld's get your period back program because I just felt just kept getting super sad that I didn't get my period every month. And at first I didn't really care. Like I was like, Oh, I'm not healthy anyways, whatever. But then I really started to care. And once I committed literally for a month, I got my period back. Like I committed for a month, signed up for that program. And I got my period back in, it was like end of January, I signed up and I got it um, St. Patrick's Day weekend because I was traveling. I remember. Wow. And so many people get their period back when they're traveling. Yeah. Right. And it's interesting because I was literally with my fiance's, all his guy friends. Like it was me. He was like, oh, they're going to have their girlfriends come too. And it was me and like 20 dudes on this trip, like at one of their places. And I started my period there. What a time. It was very right? funny. I know. Yeah. Did you know? I always love talking about like the day we got our period back yeah. or the days leading up. So, did you like now reflecting back, does it make sense that it came? Oh, yeah. How were you feeling that day? Like any funny stories, that sort of thing? Yeah. So, I was so anxious the week before. I was. I was living in Florida. I lived all over the place for the first, um, literally until February of this year, from the first year and a half of my job. I was living in Florida and we were going to Chicago for St. Patrick's Day. So I was meeting my fiance. We were dating at the time and he lived in Ohio. So I was like, oh, I don't know if I should go. I was stressed, blah, blah, blah. I think my friend was visiting and then my sister was visiting like two weeks later. So I just wanted to back out. But, and I, bought my flight on like Southwest. So I could have gotten, you know, money back and I had all this anxiety. And then I go on this trip and I had so much fun. And that day I had really bad cramps, like such bad, but since I had really bad, like digestive issues still, well, actually when, when I was getting my period back, they got a little bit better, but, um, I still had bad digestive issues at times. So I was like, Oh, it's just, you know, something I ate, ate like some fried food or whatever. And then I got my period. I'm like, and I, it was the best day ever. I wow. like cried and it was nice because, uh, Zach was there and he knew it was, I was going through. So I was like, Oh my God, guess what? Like in privacy. And it was just like a very special time to share because he had known what I was going through mentally and yeah. physically for so long. This is very special. Oh, that's amazing. I love that so much. Yeah. It's funny. I was kind of when I got mine back last summer, um, in 2019, like I was kind of like traveling back and forth from home, like within Saskatchewan, I was kind of like driving to and from places. And I remember being so unbelievably hungry, like, yeah, you know, that weekend. And, um, then the day that I actually got it back. It came in the evening, funny enough, mm-hmm. but it, it came funny. in the evening. And that day I was just feeling so like balloony, you know, I was just mm-hmm. so like done, you know, I, all I wanted to do was wear like this huge t-shirt and just 
not see anyone ever. (laughs) And when I was feeling that way, I was like, you know what? I really think my period's coming because I like literally have not had this level of like feelings towards my body this entire journey and it had been a year at that point and then that evening I got my period back it was so weird like I knew it was gonna come yeah yeah it's crazy and like I mean as we now we know more about periods you do get all these signs but when you haven't had it for so long you're like oh this could be this it could be that but I remember that month leading up to it when I I physically like my shoulders, I'm showing Meg like on the camera, but I couldn't lift my arm past here. So like in, even with my shoulder, I could not lift my elbow up that high because I injured my shoulder so bad and I drove a lot for work. So my hamstring was messed up and it was like the sign. All right. You have been, had so many injuries. You can barely lift your coffee in the morning. It's time to actually do something Mm -hmm. and just go all in and just enjoy food. And I was talking to my mom and she was like, Emily, you get this gift right now to just eat as much of whatever you want. And now, you know, anyone can do this, but it was like, it felt like I was given a gift and I just honored it. And yeah, there were parts were super emotional because like I had that identity of being this super fit person and having to buy new clothes. That was very, very, that I just bought, you know, just bought all these new clothes for my job and none of them fit. And it was very, very emotional. But I tell my clients now that when you get your period back, you almost just don't care. Mm-mm. after all that stuff happens and sure certain things came up that triggered me and I had those self-sabotage moments but because you want that bleed to happen every month you're like oh my god what can I do to fix this so it was almost like an obsession then to keep my period um and that's why I love working with perfectionists because I'm like I know what you're going through whether you're getting your period back or not when it comes to health in general we tend to obsess and not just obsess. It's like this all consuming obsession that you're laying in bed thinking about what you're going to eat, what you're going to do. what. And when it comes to stomach issues, what's going to make me feel good? What's going to make me not feel good? And the hardest things is to literally just sit and just be, and that's when all the healing happens. Yeah. So I love everything you shared, but before we like start wrapping up the show, I want to make sure we talk a little bit more about digestive issues and how that relates to HA recovery and how someone can kind of move through that because basically I grew up with digestive issues. So Mm -hmm. it was nothing new for me. So when I was going through HA, like being this very bloated person like it just didn't phase me right like I and like I don't know me personally like I can pack away a lot of food like I'm a volume eater right like I am not like a snacker a grazer it's like I need to eat like a huge amount of food Mm -hmm. in one sitting and that's what makes me feel good right but honestly I have so many girls come to me telling me that they have a really hard time increasing the amount of calories they need to eat in order to kind of be at that 
2500 minimum for HA recovery, which I do think is a important minimum, right? Minimum. When I was eating, I didn't even get my period back when I was eating 2,500 calories, guys. I've talked about that many times (laughs) before. I was very much closer around like the 3,000 calorie Mm -hmm. mark until I got it. Um, Anyways, we have a lot of girls listening to this episode that are struggling even to get to that minimum because their digestive issues are getting in the way. And I have tons of compassion for these girls, but for me personally, I was just kind of like whatever and ate the food. And eventually because when you are healthy your digestive issues naturally go away. Um, So that was kind of my method. But since you are also a health coach and you also struggled with digestive issues throughout recovery, I was wondering if you had anything to say to those women. Yeah, it actually is very basic. And that's the hardest thing for perfectionists or people who want to do it right in general or a lot of women who are struggling with HA are perfectionists in some sense mm-hmm. because they had this perfectionist attitude when it came to health and fitness or or trauma can lead to HA, of course. But anyways, it kind of just looked like taking off the pressure. And how this kind of started is I went to, a, I tried finding a natural doctor in Florida that was on my insurance, which was, I was like, how am I going to find this? But I found one. And he was literally five minutes from where I lived. And I went there and we did blood work again. Everything was normal and whatever. I told him about my digestive issues. He was like, I'm going to have you read this book. And he helped me, you know, he talked about um, some certain things that I can change, but he was like, I think you really just need to focus on stress. And I think when you sleep more and really just de-stress, everything will get better. And it did. Like I literally went from when I was doing CrossFit, I woke up at 4.30 in the morning to go there at 5 a.m. And I was trying to get in bed at 8.30, but because I was stressing about not having my period, I didn't sleep, you know, didn't fall asleep till 11. So I was not getting sleep for like a year, like horrible amounts of sleep. And when I just committed to the journey, I slept at least nine to 11 hours of sleep every night. I only worked out when I wanted to, and that looked like walking. It looked like doing yoga, like very, very just stress-free yoga. And it looked like lifting some weights when I wanted, but I'm talking like this was spread out over weeks. You know, maybe we're doing yoga one week. Maybe we're going to lift a weight one week and it felt really good. So I slept a lot. I did mindful movement that felt good to me and I de-stressed. And the way I started to de-stress is I dipped into my creative side and that was blogging, that was reading. And I just started remembering things. I went on a mindful walk every day and it made me, it started my day after I ate my breakfast, of course. And it made me feel very, very (laughs) important. And it was something that I was very resistant of But once I did it, it was like, I started craving food more Mm -hmm. and it was great. So I just de-stressed, but that was the first thing, sleeping more and de-stressing. And it sounds so like, oh my God, why would that work? But when your body is in that parasympathetic, oh my God, I can't speak. Parasympathetic. (laughs) Yes. Um, State, you are in that rest and digest mode and you can 
eat food and not worry about it. And your body's going to really just process it better. So one of the things that looked like this to me was eating mindfully every single morning, actually every meal, especially, and if maybe I had to work during lunch at times because my office, my engineering office um, was in central time. So they sometimes set up meetings during lunch. I would at least have morning and evening mindful, no technology. I'm eating, I'm thinking about my food. I'm enjoying my food. I'm tasting my food and it helped a lot. Um, so that really, really helped, but because I wanted to hit that marker of 2,500 calories, even though I was uncomfortable, I was like, I'm hitting this, this is the right way to do it. And it's easy. It was easy for me in that sense, because I am an Enneagram one and I want to do it right. So mm-hmm. it was in that sense, but the discomfort made it hard. Um, but what also helps was eating things I really, really enjoyed. So I actually asked my clients what they used to eat when they were children and ask them what they eat now. And we compare them. And a lot of people, when they, a lot of women, when they look at what they ate as children, they get sad because what they eat now is so measured or it's so, it's so thought out about like, oh, is this healthy? Is it not? And they, what they ate as a child is more enjoyable or whatever, most of the time. So I wanted to add in ice cream because when I was little, I ate ice cream every night and whole milk. Like I hadn't had milk for years. I was like, oh my God, I'm lactose intolerant. No. So I added in milk. I added in like chocolate, like really good chocolate. And like, I always had avocados and stuff, but I made like really great sandwiches and pasta and stuff that it was dense in calories. So I didn't have to try to eat a lot of calories. It was like, oh, this food is just dense and warm and it's delicious. So it tastes so good that I don't even care if I'm discomfort um, in discomfort. And as you said, over time, your body gets used to that amount of food. And honestly, like there were times where I did try to self-sabotage once I got my period back, when I got stressed to get back to that like control mode. And I couldn't even eat less than 2,500 calories. No. Like my body was so used to it that if I physically tried, I was actually ravenous because I felt so good eating that much. Um, and everyone's different, but it was just came so easily once I kind of de-stressed, didn't think so much about it. And I ate what really tasted good and actually like enjoyed the process. Yeah, I love that. Um, And just like a note on 2500 calories, like, you know, it's probably going to feel like a lot of food initially, because obviously, you're not eating that much currently. Um, I know for me, when I was at just the beginning point of my HA recovery journey, I did track my food just to see where I was at versus where I needed to be. And kind of on any given day, I was like on average about like 1800 calories. Mm -hmm. And so essentially, I had to add at least a 1000 more calories um, until my body was starting to feel fed, fed again. And like you and I both said, like you are going to feel full initially but that's because your body's not used to that Mm -hmm. amount of food yet but you know I I talked a lot about this when I first got my period back over a year ago and 
2,500 calories is not a lot of food. No, Like, that's the not. thing. Like, okay, so now ha- that you and I both have had our periods back for a significant amount of time, like over a year, um, I'm not even sure how long it's been for you. But A uh, year and a half. Yeah, so yeah. I'm like, because um, I got mine back um, August of 2019, so, you know. And mine was March, so. Yeah, right? So, <laughs> I mean, we are well into, you know, being recovered from HA and truthfully, um, Mm -hmm. hitting 2,500 calories now, I don't have to try anymore. And if I, if I actually thought about like adding in food now, then like, then I would be over like that amount, but like just my normal, like every day, here's what I'm going to eat. It's like around that amount, you know, which is pretty cool. And I know this is like a big range, but yeah, like every single day I naturally eat like between two to 3000 calories and that doesn't change ever. And again, you and I are well past recovery. And I just wanted to highlight that because I, I haven't had just like a, real honest sit down with one of my best friends like let's talk about HA in a really long time and I think it's really helpful to let people know because that's you know along with the digestive questions that come up about HA recovery Mm -hmm. and digestive issues and having a hard time increasing calories another thing that comes up for women is like okay, but when can I stop eating this much food, right? And for me, I would love to hear your thoughts because you and I actually have never talked about this before. But um, for me, I love eating this amount of food. And when I was going through recovery, I really had to do some deep understanding and rewiring of my mind to understand that this amount of food is not for recovery Mm -hmm. it is for a healthy woman right yeah I love that yeah actually um something that is interesting I make an affirmation every year and I started doing this in 2019 um but I've done it this year and last year it was I am healthy And it was before I even full 100% devoted myself to the period pro like getting my period back because I felt just like, you know, I was like, oh my God, this thing's off. I'm not healthy, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, no, I am healthy. I will get my period back. I am trusted, whatever. So this kind of goes into play with this. Like I tell my clients this too, like you are healthy, even though you might not have your period, you are still healthy. Like Think about everything else you can do in your life. In every part of your life, you won't have things that are perfectly in balance with your health. And yes, your period is so, so important, but in general, you are still healthy. Mm -hmm. And I think by telling them that it was like, oh my God, I am, I don't have to stress so much about being healthy. Like I am healthy. And even if, you know, you're sick or whatever, and you're not perfectly healthy, you're still like, if you want to be healthy, you can be healthy. So that was the first thing of having that mindset of I am healthy. And it goes into play with the eating. Like I am healthy. So I'm going to eat enough to feel healthy. Even if, you know, physically it doesn't feel great in my body right now, 
this is giving me health. Mm -hmm. And as time went on, like I said, my self-sabotage mode, and I finally got rid of, like got past this after my last move. I feel like every time I moved for work, I went into self-sabotage of trying to restrict calories and my restrict calories literally looked like eating 2000 calories. And I felt depleted, felt like crap for that whole week. And I was like, this is why I don't do this. This is why I eat to be healthy and feel great. And it then just became this lifestyle. Like I live, my, my fiance is six, four and I eat as much as him. And am I upset about that? No, like I totally just own it. I love eating food. Like I love that we got ice cream this past, you know, the other day and I got ice cream like a week before that. And I ate a cone and it felt great and I didn't have digestive issues. And I wasn't thinking like, oh my God, I had a big dinner. I can't have this. It was like, no, I had a great dinner. I want some ice cream. Let's have some ice cream tomorrow. Will I want ice cream? Probably not. But if I want ice cream again, I can have ice cream again. And just knowing that there's no limits to what you can eat and when you can eat it. And also just let like eating has given me so much more than just my period back. It's given me my hair, like my hair has grown back. It's given me like more fat that helped my circulation because I used to have Renaud syndrome um, where I lost feeling in my fingers and my toes. And I don't ever want to feel like that again. It's a horrible feeling and just so much more. So when you have these struggles of, oh my God, like I don't, can't eat this much. Oh my God, when can I stop? Well, if you want to, like, if you are healthy and you want to honor this health, then don't you want to eat to feel healthier? And when you keep telling yourself, I am healthy, if you're eating like way less than your body needs and you don't feel it, you know, you know, you're, you're being like a hypocrite with it, then you're going to eventually end up going back to what actually makes you healthy. And that's fueling your body, you know, resting, relaxing, doing movement that feels great um, and all that good stuff. Beautiful. Oh, man, I could just keep chatting with you, sweetheart. But I have one more question for you. And that is, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? So to me, I would say being and it's funny, because I listen to your podcast all the time, but I didn't think about my answer for this. Um, So many people say that (laughs) it always makes me happy. Yeah. But to me, being unbreakable really just means honoring your season and what makes you authentically you. So living your honest life and what I talk about with my clients and what I share in my program is everyone goes through different seasons of life where you will have different stressors. We all have stress on our life. You have different things you enjoy. You will have different things that work well with your body, whether you're pregnant, whether you're moving, whether you're switching jobs, whether you lost a loved one, whether you got engaged, like all these highs and lows, and those are different seasons. And when you really just focus on what feels good for you in these moments and are intentional with what you're doing and how you're living, that's what I think makes people unbreakable. Because as soon as we start looking at what other people are doing and compare our season with theirs and say, why me? Or, you know, when is this going to end? You're not going, you are then kind of, you're not living in that moment of 
transformation where even when it's hard, like you're going to have, it'll get uncomfortable and that's how you become unbreakable. Um, but when you just compare, you are kind of just giving up and you're not really experiencing that moment. So I think it's really just honoring your season and just honoring who you are. I love that. And this is why I love you. So love you too. where can everyone find you and connect with you? And if they're listening right now, they can take a screenshot of this episode and tag us both. So tell us um, your handles and your website and stuff like that. Yep. So my Instagram is at Emily Morello. I also have a business Instagram, but honestly, I have not been on it much because it's been too much to handle. Um, and that is at honest living co. Um, so you'll see, I have some podcast stuff on there, but it'll get revamped in the future. Just this season of my life, it's too much for me to handle. Um, so at Emily, Emily Morello is perfect. And that's M O R E L L O. And then my website is where everything else is. And that is honestlivingco.com. And that's where I have my podcast, my blog, my health coaching. And I'm also a nourished and free leader with Meg. So talk about essential oils there um, and all that good stuff. Yeah. Emily and I actually have a fun episode on her podcast about essential oils, the nourished and free collective. So if anyone wants to go listen to that next, I can link that up in the show notes for sure. Perfect. Yay. Well, thank you so much, Emily. I'm sure you'll be back. I'd love to sit down and chat with you again. Yeah. Thanks for having me. 